Welcome to Inside Texas Football YouTube channel, uh, powered by InsideTexas.com. Uh, this is Drew Kelson. I'm here with Ian Boyd, and today we're going to talk about uh, the Texas offense and how it looks this week or how it's going to look in a few weeks uh, as we prepare to play against the Washington defense. Uh, Ian, how's it going? Pretty good. Uh, Drew, I found out something interesting. You may have already realized this. Uh, but I found out something interesting about our, our uh, tandem here. Um, you know, I was doing football theory with Rod Babers mm -hmm. for uh, most of the season. Really great. Rod Babers is a great guy. And then I just realized that you guys are both Houston Lamar grads. Is that oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, this is yes, funny. Yes. This is from one Houston Lamar defensive back to another. Listen, listen, that was uh, – I followed – when I went into high school, um, he had just left, and I heard about this guy who went to Texas. And we had a guy that year, Warren Sappett, went to Notre Dame. Um, Other Warren Sapp, right? Ron Woolridge. We had some guys who went to A&M. Uh, but, yeah, I remember he was the guy who went to Texas. And, and I – yeah, somebody I got to watch play the whole time I was in high school – but yeah, man, DBU, Lamar, Lamar, uh, from Lamar High School, DB High to DBU uh, at Texas. So uh, we, yeah, we've had still, several guys. Is it still DB High or is it kind of feels like North Shore might be kind of edging you all out a little bit? Uh, we still call it DB High during our era. <laughs> but no, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's, it's not what it used to be in the least bit down at Lamar, but. Um, but yeah, there's there's some, there's still some names uh, that pop up here from time to time there. You know, um, Washington has a guy. Oh man, I was so sure. One of their dudes is from I think the Houston area as well. But now I'm drawing a blank on who it is. Mm. Obviously, they have Jabbar Muhammad in their secondary, who's from DFW and played at Oklahoma yeah. State last year. He's a baller. A lot of Texas, a lot of Texas in this game. Yeah, yeah, a lot of Texas in this game, but also when you have the transfer portal and you have just a combination of things, there's, there's some key guys and key, key spots there too. So uh, what, have, what have been your overall impressions as you've taken a look at their defense um, over, the, over the last couple of weeks? Man, I've had a bunch. Um, one thing, I think if I were going to just – basic characterization it feels like they mostly just kind of line up in their base defense and they play nickel and they try to make sure they have good dbs on your receivers and they just make you beat them make you earn it down the field <clears throat> they play a ton of single high but they don't they're not like really aggressive about it like sometimes they play press coverage but sometimes the corner is like 10 yards off the ball Sometimes like the nickel or the strong safety is on a slot in man, but he's like eight, 10 yards off the ball. Um, their secondary is pretty good. They do start a walk on. If I tried to, if I asked you to guess who it was, you wouldn't be able to get it. If you take my meaning. Mm -hmm. um, it's like us. <laughs> what? He's not a walk on anymore. Michael oh. Taft. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, but not like Taff. Um, <laughs> and uh, they're also like, if, if Texas fans are not familiar, 
their roster is mostly like uh, high three stars and low four stars in terms of their recruiting inputs. Mm-hmm. So they recruit like Washington area has more talent than maybe you would think. They recruit California a ton. Obviously they recruit across the greater West. Um, lots of Pacific Islanders. They got some big, strong guys in the trenches from those, from that community. And uh, talent wise, they're kind of similar to like a, uh, almost like Oklahoma at times has been, had, had a similar makeup or mm-hmm. Notre Dame, but like a lot of these teams that are like maybe just below the like LSU, Alabama kind of standard where like everybody on the team is generally pretty well recruited, but none of, but very few like big time, right. You know, milli dollar NIL type guys. I don't no. know of those. Perfect profile. Just hungry enough. Yeah. Texas people expect to get paid. You go to Washington, you go to play football, you expect to get something, but not necessarily, you know, what top guys would get, but also you come probably in with a chip on your shoulder too. So the fact that they were able to convince Jabbar to go from Oklahoma State to Washington probably tells you about where they are on the pecking order yep. of uh of compensation, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you there. Um yeah, I know when I when I was taking a look at their film, just in general, I've on one hand, I got excited because I guess I started with the Oregon game, uh, the original Oregon game. And then I went and watched the, the, the Pac-12 championship. Um, the, the thing about it's just when you could see a team like Oregon moving the ball consistently down the field, kind of picking mm-hmm. their spots. Yeah, it's easy to get excited about that. Um, I mean, Washington played, I feel like they were playing a ton of man, ton of press man. I feel like in a lot of ways that the field, the middle of the field would be wide open. Uh, but the thing that'll be different for us is, you know, and this is just kind of relative to, to the Oregon game. Oregon was able to spread them out a bit more and run the ball and kind of pick their options a bit. We just, we run heavier packages. Uh, we run 12 personnel, we run 21 personnel. And so it's, it, it, it's, while there are opportunities against their defense, I think the way that we will attack them or just the way our offense is built, it will not look much like anything that we've seen them face yeah. this year. Uh-huh. And so yeah, I, that, good. That, that's what I'm interested in, in kind of digging into. It's just they haven't seen a team like us. They haven't seen an offense like us. Uh, they, 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 just the way that we deploy our offense is going to really test them because they haven't seen anything like it. Um, I watched a I watched a little bit of them against Utah for that reason, because Utah plays with like multiple tight ends more. Because um, I I started I watched some some against Oregon right, uh, USC. Um, I don't remember what else, and I was like, okay, I think I got a pretty good feel for how they like to do things. They're kind of simple, um, but I wanted to see like what what would they do if a team had like a lot of double tight end because that could happen. Um, so I, I put on Utah, but the thing with Utah is that they had like a walk on quarterback, right? Cause, uh, their Texas guy, Cam rising was out. Um, they did not have Xavier worthy. They did not have Adonai Mitchell. Um, so it was just a totally different ball game. And, uh, <clears throat> we'll talk more about that in a minute, but, um, that is like a, that is like a, an interesting, um, like I was debating with Paul, on his podcast the other day. And I talked about your point of like, Hey, maybe you want to run the ball some and keep this, keep this offense off the field. And he was like, no, I think you just want to attack. Drew doesn't know anything. 
He's silly. Don't listen to him. Uh, you just want to attack and score as many points as you can. But uh, watching them against Utah, I do think there may be opportunities for Sark to have his cake and eat it too. Like being able to slow down and run and control mm-hmm. the game. Slow. One, yeah. one other um, Sorry. One other thing. No, I was going to say, I, I, I agree with attacking. I, I think if we can just have one one longer drive where we can really eat the clock, I think even one of those drives is key against them uh, to just yeah. finish with a touchdown on a longer drive. But Yeah. Um, yeah, if you can get those, those are such a backbreaker. Yeah. Um, two other observations. Uh, they kind of depend on this big safety, Dominique Hampton, to stop the run. He leads the team in tackles with 93. He's like 6'2", 220. He's kind of like you. There's a big guy yeah. out there. Um, and uh, <clears throat> except he didn't get moved to linebacker. And uh, he, uh, uh, producer, if we could get the, the stats up real quick. If you look at their stat profile, uh, a lot of their like numbers are not very impressive. Like, the the yards per play from their opponents is decent. Their third down defense is not impressive. Their red zone defense is not impressive. Um, we got the their uh, some of their advanced stats are decent, but I think a lot of it is just a product. Oh, here's the big one: opponent plays per game. They're uh, 108th in the country. So what basically their offense scores points, their offense scores points quickly in the game and their offense controls the ball. They're not like a, a high paced, high flying offense, like a uh, Galen DeBoer and, and, and their offensive coordinator, uh, Ryan Grubb, I think they'll like put up some points on teams early in the game to get a lead, but they'll also just sit on it. Kind of like Sark does at times. And they protect their defense a ton. Like I, I kind of think that if they played like a like an up tempo spread style of offense, they may have scored <clears throat> like 50, 60 points a game this year, but they would have given up a ton and they may have lost a game. Because I don't I I kind of think their defense is a little bit suspect and it's just been protected really heavily. What what do you think? That's the impression I've gotten. Um I mean just and not just looking at, and I, I've been on teams like this where you know your offense, you trust your offense, you know you have the guys who can score, and so really that there, there just isn't. You're, you're more of an opportunistic defense than you are just a consistently good four quarter can dominate or even can control the game in, in defense. But at the end of the day, they have been solid when they've needed to be. Uh, and primarily late in games when, when they – not just needing stops, but uh, getting the, getting their offense back the ball uh, late in games has been has been huge. And sometimes they, I, I was teasing uh, talking to, to one of my, my boys the other day. Like sometimes it feels like they score – they let other offenses score against them so they can give their offense more time <laughs> to get the ball back. Uh, and not to say that's done purposefully, but – uh, it does seem as though there is a certain level of trust that they have in their quarterback, in their offense, um, that just comes with with this team, and they're confident. But um, what what I did notice, or what jumps out to me a lot, is just how much man they play. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, that that on one hand, it's like, well, they're they're confident because um, it, it reminds me of our guys. I mean, our DBs, they have to play against Xavier Worthy, uh, uh, Adonai Mitchell. They have to play against our guys every day, and so you've got to assume that they are strong. Um, in coverage because of the guys they have to face, the guys they have to battle and compete against every day. Um, I can tell by watching their DBs that they're used to being in competition. They're used to those one-on-ones. They feel confident in their ability to slow down an offense or be opportunistic and and, and just line up uh, and and take those chances on playing man, whether they're going to get pressure with that or if they're just playing, they're playing man, uh, single high sometimes it's like, they're really going to roll with man throughout this time. And so depending on the game plan, um, there's definitely going to be opportunities there. Uh, we know Sark has the receivers to beat these types of coverages, but um, I do appreciate the confidence they have playing man with their DBs. Um, and I'm going to skip, well, I guess going to their LBs, I always feel like they're, they're out of sorts. They're kind of a step behind everyone else. Yeah. Um, whether it's a little bit, yeah, unless it's kind of teed up and it's right there in front of them, uh, the play just flows directly to them naturally. Um, they can be schemed around and even attacked uh, if you choose yeah. to. Let's talk so, about uh, let's talk about those different. Yeah, keep going, but let's talk about like some of the things that we think Texas is going to attack. Did you uh, did you watch in the Oregon game when they where, where did where did you see that where they were like? kind of getting lost in the sauce. Oh, Oregon, they were just lost. Yeah, They're, They were just lost. They, they had them – I mean, they were covering the entire field, but not really covering the entire field. They were covering the field. They weren't covering people. Um, so it was just – and you and even pre-snap, you'd see, okay, where are the linebackers? Um, they usually always have one out of the box against Oregon. And you, what I realized is just if you get those guys in space, you can get some really good opportunities against them. So – uh, then moving to the D line, I mean, they have a, a bona fide edge, um, uh, Braylon Trice, yeah. uh, who I don't know if he's supposed to leave this year, but I wouldn't be shocked uh, if he does. He, he's a bona fide guy who, um, you know, he, he's going to make plays. Uh, he has the talent to make plays, uh, both in the passing game and, and I think in the run game. But that's making plays against some of the teams I've seen them play against. Um, I always have to preface anything I say, well, have they played Texas? Um, and this is just one of those games where it's like you want you're impressed by what you've seen them do. But then you have to ask yourself, like, have they played Texas and how does that look against Texas? So kind of pivoting. Uh, what are your thoughts on um, wh- where would you start first on how Sark attacks this defense? It sounds like you're leaning towards the, the, the linebackers there. Uh, I think you start with them asking uh, Elijah Jackson and Jabbar Muhammad to play man coverage on Adonai Mitchell and uh, Xavier Worthy. If they're doing that, then I think first things first is you want to take some shots, try to hit the deep crosser. Now they will play, um, they'll play their safety. They'll play like a deep post safety and they'll keep him back, like way back. Like, uh, actually, Oklahoma State did that against Texas in the Big 12 championship. He, he discourages a lot. They just want to discourage the flow. I mean, yeah. Just discourage it all together. They're like, we'll play 10 on 11 on everything else, and this guy will line up 15, 20 yards off the ball before it even gets snapped and just make sure that nothing deep 
is easy or you at least think about it. So, but you can, you can still throw outside underneath to the receivers. Um, the deep middle where yours live so much, like to me, this looks like a game where Whittington or JT Sanders could just eat. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you could give, if either one of them had like 10 catches, a hundred yards, I would not be shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, <clears throat> I watched um, against USC, USC kind of ran it on him. And USC did it a lot with like quarterback run game and quarterback option. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, USC ran them over, but I think like the really good defensive tackle, Le- oh boy, Latula Gasanoa, maybe is how mm-hmm. you pronounce it. I'm not sure. I think he was out that game. But I wa- then I watched against Oregon, and Oregon was like running the ball by like pulling linemen and stuff. And I just saw what you're talking about, where like the linebackers, especially against like power schemes and gap schemes, mm-hmm. where, like moving blockers around. Those guys looked like they just they had a lot they had too much to uh they had too much in front of them to get to their spots um it's really a shame they don't have jonathan brooks in this game because i think he could kind of crease yeah you you know it's it, it is a shame they don't have jonathan brooks but i will say i think this is pulling lineman is where cj baxter is most comfortable reading the holes and hitting the hole that's uh, true. so the fact that that's a vulnerability for them is is a plus for us uh, because you know we're gonna we're gonna do our, our basics, but I just feel like he has such a cleaner read. Uh, C.J. Baxter does when they, he has a pulling lineman in front of him or has a couple of them in front of him. Uh, he can see the cutbacks better. He can feel the flow of the linebackers better. So I, I do feel as though he'll have a really good feel coming into this game, uh, being able to exploit the run by uh, ha- having more just just pulling pulling our offensive line a bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I, I saw the exact same thing as you from the standpoint of I just feel like the field was wide open, meaning the middle of the field, the deep middle of the field was wide open. And those are kind of not just the throws. I mean, these are throws that are the easiest throws, the closest throws for any quarterback. You just don't get them often. You're not supposed to be able to get them often. Um, but when you take what yours does well, and what JT Sanders can do in the middle of the field and Jordan Whittington, it, it does present some opportunities there. Uh, so I, I do, you know, this is the one thing, and kind of maybe my, my disclaimer, that's not me backing out of it, but uh, because you have 30 days to prepare and you wonder what you may see that's different than, than what they've done before. Yep. But consistently, I mean, when I, when I see where the linebackers are, when I see how they use their safeties, when you put them in run pass conflict, which I think will do often. Um, I think it leaves opportunities to leave either the middle field open, right, right behind the linebackers, or you can catch one of the safeties. Um, Domin uh, Hampton, number seven. Yeah, I used to call players by their numbers. What's their, their Drew Kelson? They're big guys. <laughs> yeah, I used to love coming downhill, but um, yeah, which is funny because safety is a position I played when they realized, like, oh. He's one of our best 11 defenders. We need to get him on the field. They just moved me to linebacker. Then I never moved back to safety. Um, anyway, but yeah, because I you came did. down. Here. You did. You did move back to safety. I did a little hybrid. Deal yeah, you there. played some dime safety in 2007. Dime. I remember watching. This this some hybrid. Did, played, played a little dime. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, number seven, I, I think 
I'm, I'm anxious to see how we are going to how aggressive he's going to be. How is he going to what is his feel of the offense of our offense going to be? Uh, because he has to be involved in the run game. Uh, you don't take a guy that's had what 91 tackles on the season and um, he, he's not as involved. So the, the interesting thing I think we'll do from a personnel perspective is we won't give them opportunities to really get into dime. Uh, we'll, we'll want them to be a little bit heavier because we know we can exploit them on the edges. We can exploit uh, we can exploit them in the passing game. But I do think there'll be some opportunities uh, in, in some of our heavier personnel, whether it be 12 or, or and 21 isn't considered heavy. But anytime we can have that that constricted uh, formation, uh, that constricted set um, and just gives us space to work and operate in and around, whether it be on the opposite hash it just or coming across the field. Um, a receiver coming across the field deep on like a deep post or drag across the field. I just, I feel like those are, that's where the opportunities are going to be because we'll put them in run pass conflicts often. And they're just, they, they're, they're used to being aggressive. We will not allow them to just catch us. Meaning they're sitting back, they're playing, their DVs are playing back. I think ideally we want to invite them to be aggressive so that we can hit them over the top and put them in those conflicting positions. Uh, Oregon has thrived when they're in predictable downs. I think that's where they have actually done well, um, is, but against inferior competition. So yeah. Oregon was able to exploit them on predictable downs, really with whatever they wanted to. Um, yeah. So they're, uh, <clears throat> They got some sticky-fingered uh, defensive backs at Washington that uh, bailed them out on a few drives, I think in a lot of their big games. They, they had like 16 interceptions on the year. It's the same number as Texas, I think. You know what I would do if I were Washington? Sorry. I would play Hampton as the Mike linebacker and play Tampa 2 a lot. Because that's the one thing the teams have done that have that – have, uh... now Sark's gotten a lot better against it. But like Rice through all this weird Tampa two stuff at Texas, and it kind of mm -hmm. folds up. Wyoming did it. Um, Oklahoma did it on third downs, mm -hmm. on dime. Uh, other teams did it. I think a lot of the teams on the back. Texas got better and better at it. But I would do that and try to like disguise it and have someone in that deep middle, mm -hmm. ideally Hampton. Because they're linebackers, man. They cannot run and drop with Texas. And uh, the way I, they the way they've been playing, I just think Sark's gonna like just chew toy their normal alignments. I, I actually like what you're saying there, because from from an execution standpoint, there there are other things that people may suggest, and not even in this game, but oh, maybe we can throw a dime to package together. It's like you still have to train your guys to execute in multiple formations out of those packages. So. Yeah, you know, if you're going to do a Tampa two uh, with with their strong safety, uh, uh, Dom, Dom, Dom Hampton coming down and playing the middle linebacker, so he can play that deep third. That's fine. I actually think that's something you could easily plug in because the two cover two is cover two. That, that's not going to be hard to install uh, and and really get to a point where you have your right reads because as a middle deep third, you're looking for that really that third receiver or that, that, that interior receiver who's going to threaten the middle. So 
the keys for the middle linebacker, especially a safety that's spinning down to play linebacker uh, and play that deep third, it's really easy for a DB to, 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 to spin down but also be able to play the coverage in that way. So that's probably their best bet. They do it a little bit on third down, I saw. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and then when you were talking, it just clicked. I was like, they got they need, just need to do that a ton. And, and maybe not – they did it from like a three-down dime where it's like obviously mm-hmm. like this – cut. I, I would try to do it for more of like a base. Like, um, do you remember in the 2009 Big 12 championship game when Nebraska played like a 4-1-6 dime on Texas? Mm-hmm. And they had like, they had four safeties on the field and they kept alternating which guy would drop down and be the second linebacker. And then they just, you know, they could probably could have done a lot of things because Indomitian and Sue was just like. They were different. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, I, I would try to do something like that. I, to, like to your point, I don't know if that's like so far away from what Hampton does anyway. And uh, yeah, just because their alternative is just to do what everyone else did and like play back and hope Texas doesn't have a good enough play script to work you right. over all the way down the field. And they will probably have a good enough play script to work you over. So that, I, that, I'd rather throw them off. See, and that's the thing that jumps out to me on this is our play script. I mean, yeah. we run so many unconventional sets and even plays within the blend of running your normal powers, your normal outside zones, inside zones. Like we run these other, some people call them gadget plays in the midst of doing your normal things. And so yeah. it's different when, you know, someone's coming out in 12 personnel, you know, you may have a tight end in the backfield, he may be motioning or he may be on the line of scrimmage. Like it's easier to assess. But when you're just getting a personnel grouping, you have no idea what they're going to actually line up in, who's going to be where. Um, it does change things. And so you can only practice for the basics. It, I think it's really going to come down to how we exploit some of our exotics because um, the rules will be the same for their defense. But I just think when you put them in, in conflicting situations, not just reading run pass, but um, put them in situations where formationally they're just not sure who has who or they just have a blind spot. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see some of that without some of the, 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 we know we love our double reverse flea flicker, wide open JT Sanders plays down the field. Um, but I don't think we have to get as complicated as that, if you will, to, uh, to, to be able yeah. to exploit them. Yeah. Especially over the middle of the field. One other thing I would consider is Texas, especially if you're like, if you're a little bit worried about Washington doing something like I just said, or like trying to draw up something different to throw you off. I, I like, I like Texas and 12 personnel in this game. Mm-hmm. I think that they're, if you encourage them to play more linebackers, it's a win. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're linebackers. I don't think they want those guys on the field de- determining this game. Like how you were saying, like, uh, it almost seems like they let teams score just so they can make sure the game is in Phoenix's hands. They also want the game in the hands of like, I think they're DBs and their D line mm-hmm. more so than their linebackers. Mm-hmm. They're like bad, but they're not, you know, they're not Jalen Ford. Right. No. And if it, I, I love 12 personnel, cause then they're like, okay, do we put an extra linebacker on the field or do we just have like our walk on nickel or Dom Hampton in the box all the time in really predictable ways and maybe just try to, hope Texas can't maul us in the run game. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a, that's a chance that I'd probably 
want to take if I'm Washington. It's like if they run for 200 yards, they run for 200 yards. And and that's the chance that I think makes this a very make, makes it a, makes it an exciting game for us, but but risky for them. Uh, we've played games without yours at at running back. I'm sorry, we played games without yours at quarterback. Uh, we've played games with multiple running backs. We've had to find points with a really an injured JT Sanders uh, for at least you know several weeks throughout the season and not being 100. percent We've, we've, we've somehow gotten Keelan Robinson into the run game, which we hadn't seen him much this year at all. And he's just come in and done what he's done every time he touches the ball as he gets in the end zone. We've shown so many variations of what this offense can do. Can do. Who, what, what offense do they prepare for? Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's just so they, they have to have a script. Like they have to have something defensively that they anticipate we're going to do but we have so many things that we can pivot to. Um, and we've seen so many different defenses this year play. We, we just have a lot of reps redefining ourselves as an offense this year, where I think we just have a, I mean, in addition to Sark, just being someone who's in his bag, if you will, um, typically, especially with having this much time, because uh, this was a team I wanted us to have 30 days to prepare for uh, more than any other. Uh, so I, I do like this opportunity that we have. But just when you consider what they have to commit to preparing for something, and we just do so many different things, um, once we figure out where they're, where, they're, where they're leaning, what they have prepared for, Sark will sniff that out, and we'll find some way to exploit them just because we have so many different options. And, and we'll be able to, I think we'll be able to figure that out uh, pretty early in the game because uh, that, that's really what Sark's script is designed to do, is figuring out how they're playing what they're playing and how we can really add on layers to uh, to how we execute other plays off of based off of that original script. Yeah, I'll be honest. Uh, I initially was not excited for Texas to draw Washington just because their offensive firepower is so great. We'll talk about that in the next show. Mm-hmm. But the more I dive into this matchup against the defense, Sark is just he's he's a really good coach for the playoffs. Like we saw it in that Who last game. Like they uh, they had a great plan for Notre Dame. Notre Dame came into that game like as well prepared as anyone to play mm-hmm. that Alabama offense, and he had a plan, and he took them apart. Uh, and then Ohio State just <laughs> that was just a that was just a woodshed paddling. That was embarrassing for Ohio State. I don't think Ryan Day ever recovered from that. Ryan Day has been trying to course correct the defense. I mean. Since that time, I mean, like he—it's been a need. I mean, their offense had been good enough, but yeah, he's been trying to course correct thanks to Sark uh, and get his defense to, to to win games more so than his offense lately. Yeah, <laughs> that that poor guy, that poor man. Yeah, uh, blame Sark for that. Um, you know, in, any other final like thoughts or concerns, uh, things to, to watch out for? Um. I think that's about it. I think we both agree a lot is going to come down to uh, <clears throat> they are vulnerable in the middle of the field if they play the way they normally play against teams like Texas, which is to take one safety and drop him way back. And then their other safety, Dom Hampton, the 220-pound guy, basically ask him to just be a rover and clean up everything in the middle and in the box. And uh, I, 
I bet we both agree this game comes down to uh, if Sark can just like zero in on that guy and put him in hell, then their whole thing kind of unravels. And uh, I mean, honestly, I think they are a better defense than Oklahoma State. So this is going to sound mm-hmm. a little bit homerish, but uh, I could see them just kind of marching up and down the field on this team early if their script is if their script is well calibrated. And maybe not with big plays because Washington will do what they can to stop that. But just like, you know, gadget screen to the tight end, play action from a set they haven't seen before, quick screen to worthy on tempo, you know, blah, blah, blah. Just marching. And and then and them just with their heads spinning, trying to uh, you know, do what they can. You you definitely want to start the game and keep them on skates. Um, I always like when I see the the guy who's holding the down marker, he just keeps moving down the field. It's like as soon as he gets settled, okay, he has to keep going again and going again and going again. Um, I, I, I do feel, based on some of the reasons we, we talked about today, there's going to be opportunities to do that, especially in the passing game. Um, I'm anxious to see, to see how much run we we lean on. Um, like, do Are we, are we going to anchor ourselves to it or are we going to just take – whatever they give us. And I think we have enough offense to take whatever they give us. Yeah. And we, we have the guys kind of, we're going to have the guys dialed in. Um, I guess if I had any concerns, it's, it's really just the unknown. Uh, you never know the unknown player who's back healthy. It's going to be a hundred percent. And we'll have those players too. Um, I've even heard they had a guy who transferred and was ineligible to play the entire season, but he'll be eligible for this game. Um, oh. Who's that? <laughs> Uh, Washington, I forgot his last name. He's a, uh, he's a he, D, play? D lineman. Uh, oh, whatever. He's one of the ends. But, which I'm not, I'm not as concerned about it, but there, there's always that unpredictable player scheme. There's there's just that unpredictable part of it. So schematically, I feel great about what we will we'll be able to do. And even from a talent perspective, I feel we'll be great at what we can do. Uh, we obviously know we have to protect the football, uh, which I think we've done a, a, a decent enough job of this year. But, yeah. The, the, the main thing is we know we, we just have to expect that we're going to have to score points as much as our defense has played well this year. Um, we know this is going to be a four quarter game and we can't come off the gas no matter what. And so I think that's the main thing I'm, I expect to see from our offense is that um, we just we don't run out of plays in this game. Uh, we just we have something dialed up at all the times we need it. Uh, just hopefully, we you know, we can really lean in and get enough stops. Yep, no doubt. Well, 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 well. This this was fun, Ian. Um, I know next time we do this, we'll be talking about the uh, Washington offense versus our defense. Um, I'm just ready for this game to start, but we have a little bit more to talk about before we get there. But um, that's, that's the one. That's the that's that's the that's what everybody brought their popcorn for, right? Yes. So. Everybody's bringing their popcorn for the Washington offense. And uh, we'll be talking about the Texas defense versus the Washington offense next time around. Uh, Thanks for listening in. Please don't forget to like and subscribe um, and check us out at InsideTexas.com.